Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today, we are continuing our Mother's Day week mama celebration. And, of course, today we have my mom on, Heidi Tolchin. Hi, Mommy. Hi. We're very excited. So excited. She's going to be incredible. No pressure, no stakes, but she's just a great mom, so naturally. Yeah, you just gave me pressure. She said you're a great mom. (laughs) Edit it out. Edit it out. It's true, though. I think we mentioned Heidi before about being at Julia's house and always having uh, snacks available, a morning bagel. So many snacks. (laughs) That, to me, is a great mom. good at snacks. (laughs) The epitome of a great mom. (laughs) Snacks. That's all it needs. That's all we had. We had the neighborhood snack drawer. Everybody knew where to go. <laughs> we did. Scooby snacks. <laughs> yes, we. I bought them for while we're in uh, quarantine now. You can't have quarantine without Scooby <laughs> snacks. But it's just hilarious because, like, I don't think I ever ate things out of that snack drawer. It was just for everybody else. <laughs> oh, I did. It's true. It's true. And it was I the go-to. Sh- everybody had their favorites. We had to make sure we... Right. up with everyone's favorites. Right. It wasn't like me and Caitlin's favorites. It was like Brenda's <laughs> favorites and Haley's no. favorites and the neighbor's favorites. That's right. That's how I knew where you were at all times. <laughs> snack drawer. That's how you kept us in that, in your house. That's right. It's how you bribe your children. <laughs> Already learning so much from Heidi. Already learning. <laughs> About so, motherhood. So, Mommy, tell us, who are you? Where are you from? How old are you? What do you do? All that stuff. Don't you know not to ask old people how old they are? Well, you could say what years. You know, like we say oh, 20s. Okay. It's okay. Well, who am I? My name is Heidi, and I was born in Brooklyn before Brooklyn was cool. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and I am 54 years old, which is hard to believe. And I am an attorney by license and by degree, but I do not practice anymore. And I work, I have a full-time job as a professional legal editor for a legal publishing company. And then I also have my passion project, which is I am a college consultant for students specializing in the performing arts in college. Yay! What to look at later. Yes, yes, we have so many, so many things to dive into about that. <laughs> but it's so funny because Heidi has always like been so present in our lives and growing up and all that stuff too. So I'm always like, this woman does so many things, but like yet she still somehow is in a million places <laughs> at once. <laughs> well, you guys were always my priority, all of you. Were my my we girls. Felt it. I had, you know, blessed with two girls who I adore, but I adore their friends almost as much, if I could say that. And I, really, <laughs> I mean, I did, you know, you guys filled my life with what was important to me. So, and I was honored that you guys wanted to be around me all the time. So that was Aww. great. I mean, that is a great of example course. of like, like you always are a great example of that. You can have like a full-time job and also be a really present mom. Because I think a lot of people think that that's not possible. 
I mean, you yeah, were lucky but with I think, job. Right. I was lucky with my job. And I think if we could go back to that wonderful Lois interview, like a couple of podcasts back, everybody <laughs> should listen to it because it's yeah, that great was listening. I think her phrase, which was work sway instead mm -hmm. of work balance, was a really good description of, you know, how if you want, I think, to be successful in life, you have to choose. Because I did give up, you know, Lois went the path of being this amazing, you know, professional attorney who's awesome. And, you know, I chose not to go that path and I didn't have the amount of because I didn't put in the same amount of hours, I chose to do something which gave me more flexibility with my kids at home. And everybody, you know, gets their fulfillment from doing different things and making different decisions. But I think it's important to know that you cannot do everything and yeah. be, be, you know, you can't be the, the top lawyer at the same time as being the mom who can go to every single activity that their kids go to and be, you know, the housewife and go to yoga every day. It's just mm -hmm. not going to work. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there's a different time and place for everything. And I think it's a matter of prioritizing. And I think a good thing that I, I have learned too is that life is real. If you are lucky, life is long enough that you can do the things that you want to do, just maybe not all at the same time, different times. Yeah. Oh, I really love that, especially because I think now there are so many people that put pressure on having all of these goals and doing all of the things. I think it's one of the most common expressions. Oh yeah, I'm doing all of the things. Mm -hmm. um, but recognizing that so many of us want to give 100% to the things we're involved in. And in some ways, it's just not possible. Like we can't split ourselves into a million different pieces. And I think that it goes to show, like you said, that it doesn't mean you have to give up those dreams, whatever they may be, whether it is being an incredible mom or whether it is pursuing a career passion or whatever it is. But that, like you said, if it's at different times, you still get to experience it. But also, I guess, keeping in mind, you know, what's what's important to you at the time too. Like for you, it was incredibly fulfilling to spend time with Julia, with Caitlin, with all of us. And, and that's so beautiful and so special. Um, but also, I'm sure you found time to do things that were also you know, personal to you and important to you, which kept you going along the way. Oh, definitely. And I mean, I think also, I mean, there are two things. One, I also see that, like I said, life is long enough if you're lucky enough to do things that you don't have to do it all at the same time. And because I went to law school and a lot of my good friends are lawyers, I have a lot of my friends chose to do the career thing first and do the kid thing later on. And so I just sort of did it in reverse, I think. So I think, you know, if you have the type of career where you need to be a younger, maybe in a certain age to really make an impact and get the most out of your career and do it first, I don't think there's anything wrong or that you should be like, oh my God, but then I'm giving up my chances of having mm -hmm. a family and all of yeah. that because no, there's plenty of time, yeah. <laughs> you know, it, it does work out. So totally. I think that that is like the twenties thing that we're always talking about. Like everybody <laughs> in their twenties feels like, and me and Brenda included, like we're not above this feels like we need to be exceeding in every area of our life all at the same time. Like I, from my personal experience and from hearing from my friends, it's like, okay, we feel like we have to have like the perfect job already, the perfect relationship, the best social life, like the perfect fitness regimen, like it, it but it, it's, you can't, you literally cannot be excelling at all of the things all of the time at any age in life. Like it has to be that way. I also think it's a little, it's exceptional to think that you know what's going to be perfect for you when you're in mm -hmm. your 20s. 
because I'm in my 50s and I still don't know what's going to be perfect for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of, uh, I think also that as women were given the opportunity to do more things than they ever were given before, which mm -hmm. is when I was coming up and all of a sudden, you know, it was common for women to go to law school or to become doctors. Then it sort of became like an expectation well if you're a smart girl mm. you know you're not just mm -hmm. going to get married you have to have a career you have to be a lawyer you have to be a doctor you have to do something and so yeah that made sense and so a lot of us pursued those careers and maybe like them at first but then we're like what that this is not what i want to do with my whole life mm -hmm. and i think as you grow and you learn and life experience comes to you in different ways, what you want out of life might be different. So again, it's going back to that thing of, you know, doing what's right for you in the moment at the time, mm -hmm. but realizing that, well, maybe this, you know, but then if you decide a couple of years later, well, this wasn't really what I wanted to be, or it's not fulfilling me anymore, that's okay too. So, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, the pressure and we, of having to be perfect in your twenties and figure it all out. You know, let's throw that out the window. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's super helpful. We've talked about that with a with a few people now. Is like this that it's okay to change your mind and that you can't really. We love certainty, which is why I think these quarantine mm -hmm. times are really d difficult for us. But I, there's just no way to predict what your future self is going to want or what experiences are going to mean to you or what value you're going to find. And I'm actually shout out to Farah. I'm now reading Untamed by Glennon Doyle and I literally just earlier today I was reading and this page was talking about how she imagines that there is that her whole life she imagined a woman out there that had the perfect body the perfect skin the perfect job was the perfect mother all these things and she spent so much of her life trying to become that until she realized that we're all trying to put this expectation out there that other people are perfect and that we're the uh. ones that are wrong and that we're the ones that are not enough but when we come to realize that Everybody has flaws. Everyone has insecurities. People change their mind. Their passions change and that nothing's perfect. It, it just like normalizes so much and allows us to lessen trying to meet that standard. Right. Absolutely. Sure. I mean, I think that when you do do something, you should give your 100% to it and do the best that you can at it and challenge yourself the most that you can but don't measure yourself by what other people are doing because it's a lie it's all a lie yeah <laughs> it's a lie <laughs> yeah and so heidi you what were you doing in your 20s so with school work your relationship uh, kind of if you could outline that for us what I'm doing in my 20s okay Let's see if i can reach that far back my oh, old god Mom, you're not that old <laughs> no, in like, my 20s just a martyr <laughs> Well, I spent the first part of my 20s was in law school. Um, I went to, I let's see, I graduated college at 21. So I started law school at 21. So from 21 to 24, I was in law school, which is basically not living a life. You're just in law school. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but you know, it's, it's, you're intellectually growing and making she just went to a way. small small not great law school you know <laughs> nyu no yes, big deal there was that there was that too um but actually you know i should have taken cues from from law school and realizing that maybe being a lawyer was not going to be the best choice for me being a practicing lawyer anyway because i didn't i could see that the people around me had this like real passion to do 
you know, law-related activities, which I just didn't have the desire to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I found that I found law school intellectually stimulating because I do enjoy, like I enjoyed reading the law. I enjoyed, oh, I sound so boring who enjoys reading the law, but <laughs> I enjoyed learn, I enjoy learning and I enjoy the constitutional law aspect of it. I liked the discussions that we would have, but I didn't like the whole challenging, being challenged and confrontational nature yeah. of the law and the practice of law. So, I mean, there are things, there are areas of law where it's not like that. I mean, for a few years I practiced real estate law and it's much less confrontational than litigation. But anyway, going back to my 20s, I really could have probably discovered earlier that I shouldn't be a lawyer. But then again, that's going back to where you girls come from and thinking about, well, what was expected of me? Well, of course, how could you not want to be a lawyer? You know, you, you're smart. You got into the, one of the top law schools in the country. Of course, you have to be a lawyer. You know, you mm -hmm. look at how many people you're going to disappoint if you yeah. decide that you're not going to be a lawyer. Mm -hmm. How do you drop out of law school, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I also really had no other direction. Like I didn't know, nothing else. I didn't know what I found to be exciting or passionate that I would have said, oh, let me leave law school because I really want to do this other thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, it was just natural. And, and there are quite a few women that I went to law school with who now looking back say the same thing as me. It was sort of like you're herded along, you know, well, if you're, you know, you're good at English public speaking and political science, you go to law school. You're good at bio, <laughs> mm -hmm. biology, chem, you go to medical school. Mm -hmm. You know, you want a family, you know you want a family, you be a teacher. So that's how you're right. divided up into yeah. groups. Yeah. yeah, it's true. So I fell into that group. And so I was in law school for my early 20s. And then I got married, what nowadays I think is considered pretty young. I got married at 25. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> it's really well, I, th I think back <laughs> and I think of you, ladies, and you're, where you are, and I'm like, oh my God! I was that would be that would, married. Yeah, that would be me getting married in like four months. It, it not happening. Not happening. <laughs> Heidi doesn't so, approve in four months. No, I do not. But, either. I mean, you know, <laughs> I would never stand in your way, but I think that you have a lot of life to live both of you. Yeah. I, it is crazy. It's like, you know, it's not like that long ago. It's not like your grandma. It's and not that and long ago, but again, that's ago. like what you did. You know, you grad, you, oh, well, you're dating someone for two years. You just graduated from law school. Time to get married. So that's right. what you did. Out. So then the one thing though that I, I, I am glad that I did was I didn't have Julia until we were until I was almost 30. And I think that that was a good thing because yeah. we really did get to enjoy that second half of our 20s together and doing things that young couples like to do and growing together and being really ready to have a child when we did. So that was my 20s. <laughs> I mean, there's so there's so much there, Mama. I think that, like, it's really to talk about your career and, like, feeling like you had cues at the time but didn't want to disappoint or felt like there was nothing else calling to. I think we, like, hear that with our friends, like, a lot. And nowadays there might be a little more wiggle room to change the path earlier on. Mm -hmm. 
I think that that's like a starting to be a little more acceptable now. But there is still a lot of like shame around. Like I know for a lot of my you know actor friends or creative friends, like got into the best schools, are really really talented, but love performing, but don't love like the aspect that it takes for it performing to be a career, but are so ashamed and afraid to like say, yeah, I've done this thing since I was a kid, but I actually I I don't want to do it anymore. Like, there's so much, I right. feel like a lot of people still have a lot of shame around that. Yeah, and I think it gets harder. It's it's a it's a weird thing, because I think the better that you are at doing something, the harder yeah. it is to leave it, yeah. even if you are not happy doing it. I mean, I know, like, I was very lucky, and part of it is because I went to the law school, that after my second year of law school, I became what's called an, a summer associate at a very big law firm, and... Uh, they made me an offer to start there after I graduated law school, which I did. And when I got there, it was already like the partner who had hired me had like built me up. Like, oh my God, this girl is going to be fabulous. We're so excited to have her. And, you know, he was extremely complimentary and always tell, you know, being so proud of me being his associate that okay, now I was not only going to disappoint my parents if I changed my job and mm-hmm. disappoint, you know, myself. And I was making very good money at the time. So I'm going to be giving that up. I'm also going to be disappointing this mentor, <laughs> that, yeah. you know? And so sometimes it could be a curse to be very good at something that mm-hmm. you don't want to do. Yeah. Then it's even harder to leave it. Definitely. It's like, it's extra hard to justify the reasoning behind that, especially when you feel like so many people are kind of counting on you. And I think Mm -hmm. even so, like, realistically, too, for people that don't get scholarships and stuff to college, especially because it's just so extra expensive now, um, to kind of justify like, okay, I got a degree in this, and now I'm not Mm going to pursue it at all is probably depending on who's funding that a really difficult conversation too. Right. Definitely. I think that's an advantage. I don't know if you guys see it as an advantage, but that someone from my age looking at you is that you do seem to have a lot of opportunities and know a lot of different career paths or create Mm -hmm. career paths for yourselves that we didn't just, we just didn't know about it. Like I Mm -hmm. said, your choices were a lawyer, a doctor, a teacher. There really weren't like the so many options that you now have available to Mm -hmm. you, which you could take your skills, you know, put away the letters of the degree or what the degrees say. The skills behind that degree, what you learned are so transferable to so many different platforms Mm -hmm. that instead of looking at it as a, you know, a failure because you didn't necessarily do what your degree's name says it is, Mm -hmm. if you're still using those skills that you learned then you know no loss there yeah totally definitely and I think that has a lot to do with like the online space and how much there's like endless capacity now if you really want to be an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. you have the resources that that you need for that it's possible you know this was such a such a dream for us to talk to people and share our message and share our love and just you know, do that as often as we can. And to be, we just literally from one day to the next, we're like, okay, I think we're going to do this. And we sat down, we had a really long meeting and here we are, you know. And I'm so proud of you too. <laughs> Thank you. So um, you said, you mentioned that you were married at 25. Mm-hmm. You're still married. Yes, I am. So what? Don't ask secret? me how. I'm, I'm asking how. I'm asking too, I'm very curious. 
Oh, um, not to think about it too much, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, well, I think it's one is definitely state of mind for me. You know, I think for both Scott and I, divorce is not an option. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, God forbid, if there was abuse or something that went on, then maybe that would have become an option in my mind. But we never went into marriage thinking of divorce as an option. So I think right away, if that's like off the table and you say to yourself that no matter what happens, we have to figure out a way to work through this, you're going to do whatever it takes to work through it. And then I think also, like we were talking about with juggling a career and family and everything, you have to realize that both of you cannot be number one at the same time. Mm -hmm. Both of you cannot be getting everything you each want at the same time. And, you know, that it could change as easily from day to day where one person's getting more and the other person's, you know, getting less, or it could change by years, you know, well, for these first few years, it's going to be all about Scott. And then for the next few years, it's going to be all about Heidi. So, I, you know, and I think you have to be willing to understand, well, even though it's not all about me right now, by what I give to my spouse at the time is kind of all about me too, because I'm creating this relationship and this place where I know that when I need it, he will be there for me. So I, I think that that's really what it is. It's knowing that it truly is a partnership, but it's not a 50-50 partnership all the time. Sometimes 80-20, 60-40, however the day calls for it, mm -hmm. you have to be flexible. I think flexibility is the most important thing and empathy and compassion. Yeah. Definitely. And I have actually a question about that. So how do you, hope this doesn't make me seem crazy, but how do you <laughs> go about that, what you said, like that agreement to just kind of have that commitment to each other and know that it's going to work out without taking it personally? Maybe you, maybe you would just have a very naturally, <laughs> um, I don't know what the word is. Yeah. Just wondering because without I feel like, like without taking, mean? I feel like I am the type of person that is so like emotionally connected to people in my life that I tend to take their actions very personally. Mm -hmm. like, let's say, let's mm. say Chris, you know, is just is tired or something. I'm like, oh God, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with our relationship. Maybe people out there are like, this girl's crazy. <laughs> but I think when you care so deeply about someone and are really invested in it, it's, mm -hmm. it's easy to take things personally. So if you have any advice on that, selfish question. Well, <laughs> I think the thing is that I do take it personally. I think to expect that you wouldn't take it personally is ridiculous. I think that if you really do love someone and you obviously want that person to want to be with you all the time, you want them to be interested in what you're doing, you want them <laughs> to listen to you, you know, you want oh, to be yes. on the same plane, you want to be like thinking of oh, the same way all the time. And so it's really, I guess the thing is, it's not that you can't take it personally because I do take it personally and you could feel hurt and you could, you know, be angry or cry about it, but it's, but then you have to remind yourself, but this is not, but it's not a reflection on a relationship and it's not a reflection on how much he loves me. He is just mm -hmm. a different person that mm -hmm. he's not me. He's a different person than I am. And, I, and there is also, I mean, I don't care, you know, how much you want to say the sexes are equal or whatever. Men are different than women. It's just the way that it is. They think differently. What's important to them is 
different. I mean, I would say that Scott has really a very feminine soul, if you want to, you know, put it in those terms. He's much more connected emotionally than a lot of men are, mm -hmm. but he's still a guy. And there are just things that he's not going to understand, even when it comes to raising children. I mean, I think he adores his children more than a lot of men that I know and spend time with them and they're definitely his priority. But for a mom, they're always going to choose their kid over their spouse, you know, mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. But a husband sometimes is like, well, why aren't you choosing me? Because they're mm -hmm. a baby too sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really love that, Heidi. Honestly, I think you put it so well that regardless of what happens, that it doesn't, well, obviously circumstantial, but most of the time that it doesn't reflect their love or how they feel about you and that we're just human and we're, and we're wired differently and that it, when you take things through a lens of every person is different, mm -hmm. I can imagine that it's easier to take things, I don't know if less personally is the word, but like less so like deeply emotionally. Right. You know? Like don't like, let it have the same, that like a, a crazy impact on mm -hmm. your relationship because this is happening, you know? And I also think it's really important when you're going through hard times to try to think in long term mm -hmm. instead of like what's going on at the moment. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times just thinking about, well, all right, 10 years from now, can I really imagine myself without this person in my life? Or do I still want this person to be in my life? And then if you think that, yeah, he's really the guy I want to go through life with, it'll make it easier to get over those like bumps mm -hmm. that you go mm -hmm. through. And sometimes totally. you just have to sort of like be like quiet. Mm -hmm. Let them be who they are. Mm -hmm. Let them be what they're going through and be quiet with them. Like. Mm -hmm. Don't be quiet necessarily with your friend, you know, if you have to go talk about it with a friend, with a therapist, with, you know, anyone who helped you, but it might not always be best to talk about it with them. Yeah, that's something yeah. I really recently learned from my mom is that is like because I am the type of person that wants to talk about everything right away <laughs> and I want to talk about it till till oh, there's nothing gosh. left to talk about it and to the nothing. end and a thousand times over to make sure that everybody is on the same page but I like you know recently learned that that like sometimes you just have to like take a step back and like let people figure out their own stuff and like sometimes it's better to just be patient than to like drive it into the ground. Yeah, we I, we literally, I think we talked about that on our very first episode we released about manifesting 2020. Yeah. Things changed, right? 2020 wasn't how we expected, but in terms of, <laughs> in terms of like our goals for ourselves, which I clearly still have to work on, is not beating things to death. We both said mm -hmm. that. Is yeah. not beating a conversation to death, not feeling like you need to like release every little thing because sometimes people just release things a lot easier than right. we And people to. are slower to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I think another thing is to realize that these mistakes you are going to make over and over and over again. <laughs> it's like you don't figure it out. I mean, I'm, we're married 28 years and um, it's like I still do the same stupid things. I mean, Chad will say to me, when are you going to learn? Blah, blah, blah. You know what? <laughs> I guess I'm never going to learn that. You know? <laughs> you know, don't. So it's like, don't beat yourself up for it either if you just keep having the same arguments because yeah. sometimes those are just things about your personality and his personality. You're just always going to have the same arguments, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. no, I don't know. 
unless yeah. you really, you know, you're so, I don't know, you're so such at a high level that you figured out how not to have those arguments <laughs> anymore. But I, I don't think most people are there. Yeah. But also, <laughs> I, I think that something that I really like look up to with you and daddy is that you always seem, and not every day, because some days things are, you know, hard or whatever, or someone's going through something, but like you always seem to have fun together like to this day from when I was a kid to now like you guys are always having fun together you're always not taking things too seriously even when things are serious like you know like you guys have been through some hard stuff with the house and like whatnot but still just trying to like have fun together and be silly and yeah not I think that that's really important and I do think I see that the the my the couples that I know who don't really have great marriages and who sort of are just staying married for the kids or because they've been married for so long, so you might as well just stay married. I think it's because they don't, you know, first of all, you always have to try. You never have, you can never really stop trying. Mm -hmm. You do have to always like nourish your relationship and do things together. But also having fun, well, for us is like, that's what brought us together in the first place. And I think that that's part of always what, you know, we do try to laugh no matter what happens, at least a little bit every day. And so I think that that's really important. I love that. I love that. And Ju, I have a question for you. Do you feel like your idea of what love is or what a relationship should be like was influenced by how you've seen your parents or did they like did their love place any expectations on you and what you look for in another person oh a thousand percent like I I say it all the time that I know I think I am really lucky to have had their example of love so that I can know what I want my love to look like oh I'm getting emotional (laughs) (laughs) but really like I'm gonna cry now Oh, my mom always cries though. Like, <laughs> she's watching like 90 Day Fiance and she's crying the whole time. <laughs> but, um, but seriously, because I always like their marriage hasn't been 100% easy. Like my dad has been very, very vocal about his mental health struggle and that takes a toll on a relationship. We lost our house twice due to hurricanes and like I'm sure a ton more things that I don't, you know, are not coming to mind or that I don't even know about. But like I've, oh, I've just always seen them work together through the hard stuff and not give up and always have fun and they're always laughing they're always being silly they're always joking like most of my memories are just you know even if like they had a fight or like we as a family had a fight like that's not what sticks out to me what sticks out to me is like how they always came back from it how they like mended from it and how it was always fun like always laughing yeah i'm happy to hear that Me too. And I can tell. I could tell through your relationship and the bits and pieces that I've seen, even your dynamic, even when Chris asks to make for you to make him tacos. <laughs> oh my god. He's Julia's so like, go make some tacos. <laughs> I was on a Zoom with my friends and he's yelling to me from the other room, Jules, can you make me a taco? No, make your own dank taco. You have two hands. It was so funny. So you did pick someone like your father. 100%. Have we not noticed this already? Oh, yes. I'm thinking of that image of the two of them inside their shirts as hoods. Yes. (laughs) Just being real, real ridiculous. So, Mom, what's the hardest part? And then what's the best part about raising two women in their 20s? Oh, okay. Well... No, I mean, it's going to sound ridiculous if I say that there's no hard part, but, um, well, I think the hardest part is the worry. You just worry as, as a mom, you want your daughters to be happy. 
I think from obviously for me, that's the most important thing. I think um, when I have a one daughter in her 20s who is in a relationship, I want that relation, you know, I never want you guys to fight because I never want you to be hurt. I mm-hmm. want, you know, it's work out because we love Chris too. But I also want you to know that you have the freedom to do whatever it is that <laughs> makes you happy. So I think, you know, for someone your age, at 24 going on 25, I think that's where my worries are, you know, that you are following your passion, that you know it's okay if you are not, you know, where you think you should be in life right now, that we're really proud of you. So I think just worrying about your happiness is is important, is hard. And for Caitlin, who's 21, who's still in college, I think the hardest part about that is also, you know, worry about, worry that I know that she's not sure yet what she wants her exact path to be and I want her to find what she wants that's going to make her happy and then it's just the worry about safety and you know when she's going out and who's she going out with and you know <laughs> getting home at night <laughs> you know typical mom scary. <laughs> you know but typical mom things and I, you know I think that the world is a different place when I, than when I was younger and you guys have a lot of things you know so many unknowns now and um i think that that's a concern for parents you know that their kids are growing up in all of this craziness Mm -hmm. and just wanting you you guys to be okay definitely yeah that's the hardest part and something kind of flipping that backwards for women in their 20s what is something you think they should know i guess in order to I don't know if it's to create or maintain or something that you think women in their 20s should know about their like relationship with their mom or something that whether it's call your mom every day <laughs> anything <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a nice answer, answer, answer your text messages Julia um, <laughs> the technology <laughs> you know, anxiety right well it's funny <laughs> because I I think my mom and I have a really close relationship and I think that I have a very good relationship with my mom but a very different relationship than I think I have with my girls but I think that you know I don't call my mom every day and it's funny because I used to call my mom every day but as 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 life went on and things changed I don't call my mom every day and sometimes I feel guilty about that and it's funny because now that we're quarantined and I'm living with Caitlin she yells at me she's like why don't you call grandma every day and I'm like (laughs) because I get busy or whatever but the nice thing is that I know that I have the kind of relationship with my mom that I don't have to call her Mm -hmm. every day in order for her to know that she's always in my thoughts and that I obviously love her very much and I think that in your what I want you guys to know in your 20s with your relationship with your mom is that she's always going to be there for you and love you and that your mom I mean I hope I could say this for all moms is that your mom is not judging you and that your mom wants to be the safe place for you to land and that you should oh that it should always be your safe place to land. I mean, I'm in my 50s and my parents are still my safe place to land and have been there for us when we've needed them. So that's what I think you should take with you. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I think I think it's important to say now that we've had 
two um, of our mom episodes. Julia and I are so lucky to have a really, really beautiful, strong relationship with our moms where I think we might even be closer with with our moms than most people. But I just want to say to anyone listening right now that maybe feels frustration or doesn't have that same type of relationship with your mom that, that we hear you. That's hard. That's valid. But that it's also okay. And I hope that you do have someone in your life that you're able to lean on in that type of way because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sure not everybody does have that relationship right. with your mom. So. Well, yeah, I, thought, I also think it's interesting because a lot of people say that their mom is their best friend or women my age say their daughter is their best friend. And I hope, Julie, you're not insulted when I don't say that you're my best friend. You're not my best friend either. Right, because it's a funny word to me (laughs) to say that that your child is your best friend because to me, your best friend needs to be someone who's at least a peer, like someone who's going through the same same things with you at your phase of life. Like that should be your best friend. And also, I don't think, you know, as close as I am to my kids, I don't think it's necessarily appropriate for a parent to put on their child, you know, all of what's going on in their life. A child doesn't need to feel responsible if their mom is feeling unhappy that day or if their mom is struggling with a financial decision or, you know what, that's not my child's role. My child has to figure that out for herself. I'm not going to put on my kid, oh, well, I also have to worry about that for my mom. But I might talk to my best friend about an argument that I had with my husband because they're not, you know, they're not going to carry that around with them. While if I say, tell that to Julia, for sure, Julia's going to worry for the next year and a half, why'd my mom have that <laughs> fight with my dad? Yeah, it's a great <laughs> point. Yeah. You know, so I think also for people who are listening and are like, well, my mom's not my best friend. That's not a bad thing. Your mom, you know, you shouldn't, I don't, not should to, should or shouldn't is a hard word to use. I don't like to use that word, but I don't think you need to like judge how close you are with your mom by whether or not you feel like they're your best friend. Mm. Also, like every relationship that you have in your life is different. Like you can you can love people like an extreme amount, but like the relation type of relationship you have with your mom is different from the one that you have with your partner. That's different th- from than the one that you have with your friend, with your mentor, like with your dog. I don't know. Everybody, every relationship, <laughs> totally. like can all mean so much, but they don't all have to operate the same. Exactly. Totally. No, I agree. And I think that even as throughout our 20s, I don't know about you, Drew, but I feel like this is the time where I'm really starting to kind of understand what purpose each of the people in my circle kind of serve for me. Mm-hmm. Um, much more than I did even in like a, in college or definitely mm-hmm. in high school. Not not only have those relationships either changed or some faded out or some really, really evolved differently than I would have ever expected. But I think I'm definitely starting to learn like, okay, this is the person I go to when I'm feeling this or when I'm feeling mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mom, what's the best part about raising two 20-year-olds? Just joy. I mean, you know, even though, like I just said, you're not my best friends, I love doing stuff with you. And I mean, you know, as you get old, as you got older, we find more things that we have in common that we like to do together. And I think just being able to watch both of you become the women that you were, you know, meant to be or what makes you happy, because I think that that's always what's given me the most joy is watching both of you joyful and happy Mm -hmm. and successful. And, you know, that's the best part. 
and that you both still are like, even though you're still both growing up and getting old, you both still have very childlike qualities and appreciating things and having fun and not taking yourselves too seriously most of the time that, you know, it makes me proud. Yeah. Well, I think that that we learned that from you. And like, I think there might be some mother daughter relationships, which some mothers maybe don't feel like they can show like that part of themselves to their kids. Mm -hmm. But like, I don't know, I ha I just, I feel like you always, I saw from you that you weren't always taking yourself too seriously. Of course, there were times that you took yourself seriously, but like there was always also times that you were allowed to be silly and to mm -hmm. have fun. And so I think that that was definitely from example. That's good. I did something good. <laughs> oh, you did so many good things. But definitely, we learn, we learn by example. So I think that's super powerful. Yeah. yeah. So this is kind of a hard question because I hope I can phrase it right. So I know we talked about how like certain things in your life, like in your 20s, like your career, like changed uh, what you wanted to do or your path. But did the vision that you had of your life when you were in your 20s line up with like where it is now do you know what I mean like we project mm -hmm. this vision that we want to have of, of our of our adulthood yeah so what um, ways did it line up and what ways it's are they different I think yes and no I think the over the overarching and most important thing that was my vision was to have a family where you know which is basically what our family is a family where you know I'm still married and that I love my husband that we have a good relationship that I have kids that I love and that I get along with and that are are happy and healthy so to me that was my always my most important vision so it is the vision you know that has lived up to what I wanted to be even you know more than I thought it could be in terms of you know who my kids are and what they have become but my vision probably personally and some of the things that have gone on in my life and professionally are nothing as like what i would have expected them to be and i think that that's because there's no way to know what curveballs life is going to throw at you and you know we we have had you know quite a few things that most people sometimes only deal with one of the things that we've had to deal with over the course of you growing up that's made, you know, certain things impossible to do or had to change direction. And mm -hmm. um, so, you know, and there were things I could never have predicted. Could I have predicted, you know, when I was 25 that there were going to be two hurricanes and I wouldn't have a house to live in and then we'd mm -hmm. have to like, you know, no, there's no way to, you know, to predict that that's going to happen. So, but I think, like I said, the important thing, the vision of having like a stable life within my own family, I have. And you kind of had to let go. I had to let go of that other stuff. I mean, you, you go back and you think, if you can phrase it in a way and look back and say, oh, well, I'm a failure. Because if I had lived up to what I thought when I first went into law school and I was going to be, oh, this, you know, amazing lawyer making all this money wearing these fabulous clothes and, you know, also have an apartment in the city and a house in the suburbs and all of this. And I'm <laughs> like, well, I have none of that. You know, I must be a failure. But no, you know, I made decisions that made that not possible and life made decisions for me that made that not possible. Mm -hmm. So I, you have to rethink what your vision is. <laughs> yeah. I think just a lot of the stuff that you've been saying like mom throughout, you know, kind of this whole discussion is that we need to be able to pivot and we need to be mm -hmm. able to take, you know, take what life 
throws us and we need to go with it and not resist mm-hmm. against it because mm-hmm. I, I like we said before like we have this especially in our 20s we have this like vision that we have to be this 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 and this yeah. and, but there's so much out of our control and the important thing is that like we we have to be able to pivot mm-hmm. yeah I mean I think that the most unhappy people that I see in life are people that can't mm-hmm. they're people uh, that people that if you know, anything strays from the path that they set for themselves, they they can't readjust. Mm-hmm, they yeah. can't, you know, I, I know that uh, a term that I find being applied to your generation a lot is resilient. And I think that that is probably the one of the best qualities to have is to be resilient and to be flexible and you know, I believe in a higher power, not everybody does, but I believe in a higher power. And I often feel like, well, if this is happening, there's a reason why this is happening. So let me just go with that because maybe it's going to take me somewhere, you know, that I didn't know I was meant to go. And I also think that, you know, if things don't necessarily go the way you planned, there's always, if you look for it, there's definitely going to be a silver lining to why they didn't go that way. And, and I think that, you know, my choice not to follow that, you know, career-driven path in the beginning and to spend more time with my kids, well, to me, that's a huge silver lining because yeah. I have a relationship that I do with my children. Definitely. And, and I think the that of course people are allowed to grieve, they're allowed to mourn anything that's hard for them. But when we fixate so much on what has happened and focus on the pity and the feeling bad and Mm -hmm. being frustrated with ourselves or the situation, you know, you're taking all of that energy, not just from your emotion and from everything going on, but you're taking away from where can you go from here? Like, can this benefit me at all? So I think that you show how powerful that is and also show that even if your vision doesn't align with what it was like years ago, you can still have a really, really fulfilling, if not more, more fulfilling because you just couldn't have predicted this exact life back then, you know? Exactly. And and rewrite your vision. You know, it's not written in stone. You can rewrite your vision. Definitely. And our last question, Heidi, is if you could tell your 20-year-old self one thing, what would it be? Mm, That life is not going to be what you think it's going to (laughs) be. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. yeah. To be, to be prepared yeah. that things might not go the way yeah. you planned. Will right. not go, <laughs> but that's and, okay. <laughs> to be prepared to, you know, that they will not go and that's okay. And also I think don't compare yourself to others. Mm-hmm. Especially this day and age. <laughs> yeah. Day and age. Well, you guys have it a lot harder because there's always in your face, you know, between Instagram and Facebook, being able to see what other people are doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I said, when I, because I went to like this top tier law school with people who are now extremely successful in their career, you know, well, I can't, I obviously can't compare myself to that because we've done, we've taken different paths. So don't compare, be happy where you are. Yeah. Actually, do you want to talk about one more thing before we wrap up? So you you have started this passion project that is like hopefully going to turn into some what of a job. So I think like, can you talk about that? Like it's never too late to to start something that you love. Yeah, definitely. Never, never too late. And I say it often to other people. And I think that it's also never too late if what you're choosing to do is something that you want to do because it's coming from a place of that you really want to do it and you find this thing interesting and exciting as opposed to, well, I have to do this other thing because then it's a lot harder, I think, right. to do something later on. But if you find something that gives you a spark, and I think that that's what's important to know that like even as you get older, that 
you will still find sparks along the way in your life that you're going to be like, oh, I'm still alive because I feel this spark, <laughs> you know? And, you know, going back to having a good marriage is I have a spouse who is really supportive and very like, yeah, go for it do it. You know, even though this means I'm going to take some time away from you because now I have this full-time job and at night I'm going to be spending time working on this new project, but you will find, and I know this is a little not on your question, but I think you will find that the more that you each work on yourselves independently and individually and are each involved in things that make you happy, bring, allows you to bring those things back to your marriage and you mm -hmm. both come back as fuller, happier people not dependent on the other mm -hmm. to be happy. And that is what, you know, will also I think makes a successful relationship because I'm not depending on him to make me happy in everything. Mm -hmm. And if I already feel good about what I'm doing on my own, then I can bring that to the relationship. Mm -hmm. I love that. I really do. And I think we talked about it in a, a relationship episode is that we really have this idea that myself included, I'm not, you know, not guilty of it, that this person that we try to build a relationship with or build a life with is someone who needs to complete us in every way. And I think that puts a lot of pressure on the other person to, you know, to meet all these expectations and standards. When if we come into a relationship working on ourselves and feeling whole and complete, then it takes pressure off of someone else and expectations off of yourself. And I'm sure is much more fulfilling for both parties. Absolutely. And it's also the good thing to do when you're going through that rocky time with your partner. Okay, well, he's not fulfilling me right now. So let me focus on what I can do for myself and the things mm -hmm. that I love and spend that time instead of trying to make something work, which might not be working right at that moment for whatever reason. Focus on yourself. Do what you need to do to like make yourself happy and feel fulfilled. And you'll probably have more tolerance yeah. for your partner mm -hmm. when, you're, totally. when you're okay with what you're doing and not looking to them to provide you with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like not looking for someone else to have the answers when more than likely the answers are already within you, you know, looking, choosing yeah. to look inward instead. That's yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Well, mom, you were awesome. You were so uh, awesome. So much wisdom. <laughs> so much. Um, <laughs> All of the wisdom. All of it. <laughs> All <Yeah>. of it. <laughs> and Brenda said it before, like I'm, we're both really lucky to have our mothers still happy and healthy and alive and, um, and to have a relationship with them. But like, if, if that's not your, where you are in life, that's okay. And there's there's a, a, so much other places to find love and wisdom, um, but we're really thankful for yeah. for our mommies. And look to other mommies. Look yeah. to other mommies. Oh, so, absolutely. You know, just like just like in a relationship or when you have kids, you know, if you're happy where you are, there's always room for more. And because I have like such a great relationship with my kids, like it's my pleasure to be a mommy for another girl who needs a mommy. You know, <laughs> or, and I know that some as and I also know that. Your own mom can't always fulfill everything that you need. And you might have a different relationship with one of your friend's moms because for whatever reason, that mom you connect with on some level. Mm -hmm. And that's cool too. Don't feel bad. You're not betraying your mom if you need to love to you another mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Enough. It is. Aww, well, thanks, yeah. mommy. And happy yes, related Mother's Day to all the mommies. And um, hey, I'm a dog hello. mommy this year, so I count. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah, you get her a gift now. <laughs> yeah, where are my presents? Where's I actually do have a present for you. It arrived today. Oh, oh my god, I'm shocked. 
But I didn't know it wasn't for Mother's Day, though. But I guess it can be. <laughs> well, now it can be. You I can pretend. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, Mama. Love you. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Friday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties Podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us. With love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.